Welcome to the First Time Go podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Ducek, and welcome to the Weekend Conversation. Today I'm talking to Paul June, co-founder and CEO of Filmocracy. Paul is an Air Force veteran, an MBA, and he started an innovative company that hosts film festivals as well as holds film markets for independent creators, among many other features. It is considered the world's first and only gamified movie streaming platform, and in this discussion, he talks about how that will lead to a new funding mechanism for independent film. In this age where it's so hard to create indies, Filmocracy is making the process easier. And welcome to the weekend conversation of First Time Go podcast. Paul June. Paul, how are you today? Doing great. Thanks so much for having me. Excited to be here. Awesome. Well, thanks. Thanks for being here. So can you talk a little bit about your story? If I had told you at 18, you'd be running a company called Filmocracy, what would you say? I probably wouldn't have been surprised that I'm running a company. My dad is a serial entrepreneur. He's had over 20 different businesses over my lifetime. And his business was flipping businesses. So he would buy struggling ones, make them run better, and then sell them for a profit. But if I knew that it was going to be a film-related business, I probably would have been very excited because that's something I always had interest in, but I probably would have been surprised and would want to know how I went down that path. So how how did you go down that path? Where did you go to school? And then I I know you served in the Air Force, correct? Yeah. So I wasn't really looking at entertainment at all. was a psychology major. Then I did Air Force ROTC because I didn't think I would be a psychologist. So (laughs) I served as an intelligence officer for a few years in Texas. And then I got out and used my GI Bill. So I went to get my MBA. I was at a career fair and I was going to work for Honda, but I decided I don't really care about cars. So <laughs> maybe try to look at something I'm, I'm interested in, right. at least for my first out of the military. So that's how I came across a small production company called QED International. Okay. Um, they were a production and sales company that did movies like District 9, Fury with Brad Pitt, Dirty Grandpa, sort of 10 oh, to wow. $50 million budget range independently financed films. Awesome. And, and worked there for a while. And then what brought you on to entrepreneurship? I think it's always been in my nature to want to create solutions and solve difficult problems. I realize I'm not as interested in third world problems that actually matter, like clean water or (laughs) or, um, climate or anything. I'm I'm more interested in first first world problems of people who live in a very complicated society and have complex problems and are very often, you know, this is a very dream oriented industry, right? And so it attracts people from all over the country who want to pursue this craft, but there's not really infrastructure to support them. I mean, you'll find fellowships and writing programs and things like that, but there's a lot of also predatory companies out there. Exactly. Um, as it's very easy to take advantage of people who have this dream. So that's that's kind of where it all stemmed from. And it's a different way of helping, right? Like not necessarily everything needs to be focused on a climate specific. If you're focused on the arts, say you can raise awareness of a particular issue in a way that say a for-profit business in that issue area wouldn't be able to do. Yeah, it's, it's really hard to get your message out there, but it's getting easier and people are able to make the kind of content that they can show in a theater 
theater without feeling a little bit embarrassed about the color grading or the sound quality that used to plague independent filmmakers. Like now everyone can make really high quality stuff, but the distribution has not really caught up to it. Like even if you make something great, the channels are just not there unless you have the proper support mechanisms behind you and those don't really exist. Exactly. So what was it like as you started to go into filmmaking? What was it like as a veteran to be in that industry? The veteran community is really helpful if you want to be a startup founder, but they are not so involved in media. So I know there is a group called Veterans in Media right. in Media and Entertainment, but I haven't really done any of their events or participated with them at all. So it's just been more of like the startup community, veteran startup veteran community that's been the most helpful. And they've actually been tremendous for us, you know, giving us credits and you know, teaching us all of that. There's a lot of incubators and accelerators that we've taken a part of that have helped bring us to where we are today. Awesome. So when did you found Filmocracy? And then can you talk a little bit about what your company does? So we were founded in 2018 and we originally started as just a gamified streaming platform just trying to help these independent films find a home. But when we launched, there's also Apple TV Plus coming out, Paramount Plus was announced, Peacock was announced. So we really couldn't break through the noise. And there was like hundreds of streaming platforms at that time. But unfortunately for the world, but fortunately for us, COVID <laughs> came around and we made a pivot into film festivals. So since that time, we've hosted more than 250 film festivals. Awesome. And that is our bread and butter. We are hosting, taking these film festivals that were traditionally before for the pandemic only in person. And now all of a sudden they see that they have a worldwide audience that they can attract. So we provide them technology so they can stream their films, do their Q and A's, sell their tickets, uh, monetize, you know, have online sponsors, all the things that you would do physically, we bring it virtually. That's fantastic. And so how do you see the market for film festivals? I remember when I was pitching my short documentary short, I felt like I just went Instagram DMs from film festivals wanting to watch my film if I paid 50 or $100 further. And I just wondered about the economics of the film festivals, right? Is it like, if you're going on Instagram DMs of random people like me trying to get a couple hundred dollars and how are they making money and how do you see the market for film festivals right now? Well, film festivals serve a really valuable purpose because there is so much content being made and there's only so few channels you can really be on. So film festivals act as like the in-between step, right? right. Like you're not going to go from making your film to immediately being on Netflix. You need to have something in between. And that's what the film festival circuit provides. And it used to be that it was just local city film festival or some regional film festival. But now there are so many films that there are now hyper-specific film festivals being right. created. So whereas before it was Atlanta Film Festival, now it's Atlanta Jewish Film Festival, Atlanta Black Film Festival, or before it was Boston Film Festival. Now it's Boston Sci-Fi Film Festival or Boston Latino Film Festival. So getting hyper-specific uh, because they are trying to cater to this very small niche audience of filmmakers who have a specific type of content. Um, and they're trying to provide you know, community because as, as you know, being a filmmaker is pretty isolating. Exactly. Um, and you just want to find people who are interested in your stuff. So if there's a film festival that's revolving specifically around you, that's very appealing, right? But at the same time, that means there's a lot of film festivals that exist purely to get extract submission fees. <laughs> exactly. And, you, know, you, you have, have a lot of people who are just applying to hundreds of film festivals, hoping to get 30 laurels that they can slap on their poster. Right. And they think that's oh, going to exactly. somehow help 
get distribution, but um, it's really a quality over quantity type thing. But at the same time, you can't really blame them. Like there's not really so many places for you right. to get people to watch your film and film festivals almost for many films are the distribution for them. So with Filmocracy now, is it a combination of you reaching out to different festivals and festivals reaching out to you, or is it mostly festivals reaching out to you at this point to be on the platform? It's both. Um, it's, it's been, it was really, really exciting during the pandemic. We just had right. an overflow avalanche of festivals. And now it's sort of evened out because you have the festivals who are like, we tried the virtual, we didn't like it. That's not why we started this thing in the first place. Right. So we're never doing it again. But you have other festivals that are like, this was great. I prefer this. I don't have to go anywhere. I don't have to have such a huge staff. I don't have to rent a theater. So they are switching to only virtual. So there's this divide happening, as well as others who are doing hybrid to try to capture revenue from both sides. Right. And that's great, too. So, you know, it's it's eclectic in terms of the strategies, but we won't really know for a few more years uh, which way is, is superior. Do you think the hybrid sort of is the future for film festivals? Because I know on a similar topic of, say, different conferences, I've seen immunocompromised individuals who can't go out or can't do anything, especially with the wildfires here on the East Coast or COVID a few years ago. It allows people to participate in events that they would otherwise not be able to participate. And I think your platform would be perfect for that kind of thing. Even if you have an in-person segment, you could have, say, uh, your hybrid or your virtual segment on filmocracy. Is that correct? I mean, definitely the accessibility has been really valuable for you know, disabled or handicapped individuals. Right. Uh, but fortunately, many festivals don't have the funding or uh, workforce to be able to handle uh, a real hybrid situation. Okay. And by that, I would mean like, okay, you screen the film, physically in the theater and online at the same time, oh. they both finish at the same time. And then right. you have the Q and a that is happening in the theater also broadcast online. That is a true hybrid experience. Most festivals cannot handle that. It's just too much work. You need lighting, you need sound right. in order to echo everything. So what we usually recommend for smaller and medium sized festivals with limited budgets is to just separate them. So you have your physical festival, maybe in a certain month, let's say August, and right. then you do your virtual one maybe a month before in July okay. or a month after in September. And that way, you know, there's very little overlap anyway between the virtual audience and the in-person audience. And that's what we found over our time. It's just, you're not really cannibalizing yourself, which is what some festivals worried about. Right. It's really from all over the world who are accessing this content in your festival. So you know, it doesn't have to be at the exact same time. Oh, that's so fascinating. And so with your platform, have you found ways to similar on Zoom, like if you're in a large meeting, you can raise your hand. Have you been able to have like the similar like Q&As, directors, all that with your festivals online? Yeah. So we use a technology called OEA, which was developed by Snapchat. And so we're able to make our interactive Q&As be a lot more theatrical looking, more interactive. So yes, you can raise hands. That's kind of the, the least you can do. Um, <laughs> and you can you know move into different spaces, have separate networking areas and tables. And you know we use this technology to do other things to help filmmakers as well. For example, we'll host a film market. And how that, that works is each executive will have their own room, virtual room. And then you 
as the attendee can click on their room to wait in their queue. And then the executive will push, push a button. It will transport you into their office and a timer will start for four minutes. You pitch your film for four minutes. And after That's the timer awesome. is up, it'll automatically move you back into the lobby. And so this just keeps it moving because if you're an executive, you don't really have time to meet with every single filmmaker for 30 right. minutes but you could do four and you can also add time if you really want to talk to them more so we've done this event probably five times now okay really successful event you know it's all about giving building that connection so that the Absolutely. filmmakers can actually say like i know somebody at focus or i know someone at sony classics because then you don't have to you know keep coming to people like me who are running these events now you have right. their contact you know them you've seen their face and you can just email them directly and that's what it's all about that's so awesome and it's, it's like you said it's decentralized right you don't need to have to have a connection with specifically one person you're going into this meeting. That's fantastic. How often is that held? And like, if they, if somebody, an independent filmmaker wanted to participate, is it development through post-production or what status do you have to be at in your film to participate in something like that? So it, it depends on the company. Different companies will be okay with script stage. Someone only completed films. Some people only want docs. So we have, we create a brochure where you can see like, okay, this company wants my type of content so that way you can prioritize who you see because usually we'll have like 40 different companies represented and wow on average you'll have time to visit 12 really. okay right and if i sign up for an account at filmocracy and then sign up for an email like how how would i be able to know about an event like this yeah if you sign up for a free account on filmocracy not only can you watch 4,000 free movies but you can also be added to our mailing list and then you'll be notified when we do these events they're probably happening once per quarter okay awesome and so as you mentioned there's several paths to making an independent film nowadays self-funded crowdfunded maybe independent studio funded if you have the reputation how do you see the independent film market right now it's a very interesting time because of all of these new ai tools that help with editing and and just everything right kind of scary but i think it's it's really going to be beneficial but at the same time we are still limited in our distribution opportunity right. it's even actually getting worse now because the streamers are consolidating or you know getting rid of certain aspects you know it's now warner combined it's hbo combined with discovery and you know, peacock has their own service but right. paramount is struggling paramount's losing half a billion dollars every quarter or something so that means as an independent filmmaker it's easier and easier for you to make really good stuff right i would say like it was it was like moderate to make really good stuff before and it's going to be very easy to make high quality looking stuff so that just means you have to focus even more on on the intangibles you know like the story your character development because everyone is going to be able to make things look good right you know the ai is going to take care of a lot of that for you right now it's not like just click of a button easy but we are rapidly heading in that direction right so the things that you can control is making sure that your story has an audience and will really resonate. Don't write your script with ChatGPT, um, but use ChatGPT for everything else. So <laughs> that is the opportunity here. That's awesome. And are you guys getting involved in equity crowdfunding or is that part of your future plans? It is in our future. I would say in the present, if you're looking to do crowdfunding, not equity crowdfunding, but just uh, like a Kickstarter or a seed in Spark, there's a guy that we work very closely with. He actually helped us with our Kickstarter campaign. Oh, cool. Uh, his name is Justin Giddings. Okay. And 
is the Kickstarter guy. His website is thekickstarterguy.com. And he's done over $10 million wow. in Kickstarter, successful Kickstarter, 93% success rate or something. And he he focuses mostly on film. That's the unique thing because you can find many other people who focus on like board games or right. video games or whatever, but he's specifically film. And so anybody who's looking to raise money for your film, like he's the guy. And he's also like very reasonable with his rates. So I would highly recommend him. But for the future, what we want to do, and I don't know if you have ever used Filmocracy before, but there's a reward system in place that gives you popcorn, virtual popcorn for watching and rating movies. Right. And so right now, all you can do with the popcorn is redeem gift cards and movie tickets and things like that. But the eventual goal is to make it so you can take the popcorn you have and invest it into a filmmaker you just watched. Oh, you discovered this filmmaker. I discovered Ben Duchek on Filmocracy. His movie was great. That was so cool. I want to give him a hundred popcorn. Oh, Paul, that's awesome. Yeah. So then it didn't take anything from me because I earned that just from watching and rating movies. That's super easy. And then you, after you collect, let's say a million popcorn, you come to us and say, here's my million popcorn. Let's change it to cash. Right. So I can go this next project. So that is the thing that has, I think, failed for equity crowdfunding for films specifically, is that these companies popped up trying to raise money for films, but you don't know who they are. Right. Like they're just random companies. Many of them were just random Russian blockchain companies. Right. And they expected you to just give them money. And then suddenly you have blockchain in your name that you can redeem once the movie gets made, but you don't know who they are. Right. So you need to have some sort of infrastructure and ecosystem built already where people are already there watching, rating, redeeming. Then the popcorn equity uh, crowdfunding makes sense. Okay. Because then you're already in that system. So that's why we're kind of doing it in phases. Oh, I think that's going to be fantastic because it just seems like it's such a, it's, we're such in a weird time, like going through the seed and spark list, you see sometimes people raising money for $10,000 and they, they might make it and that's great. But like, in terms of like, I want to do a film short with $10,000. I mean, that I, not sure how that really works, right? Is it like, where's all the other money coming from to create the movie? I, you know, I don't know. So I feel like it's definitely a market that can use some disruption. Yeah. And definitely people think that, oh, I'll make a really good quality film with a little bit of money right. and that will prove that I'm responsible with money. But actually that doesn't prove that for the financiers and the production companies that want to make million dollar projects, $5 million projects, right? they need to know that you have had a million dollars before and spent it. Why they it? don't care that you did 50000 and spent it. Anyone can take $50,000 and make something. Right. Congrats that you made it well. But I need to know that you're not going to get overwhelmed when suddenly there's you know $5 million in your bank account and you have to go hire all these different pieces. Right. So it's it's great to be a steward of money, but it's also important to be able to prove that you can handle large amounts of money. So that's kind of what I would tell people is like when when you're pitching projects, don't feel like you should say, oh, it's it's only five hundred thousand dollars. All I need is five hundred thousand dollars <laughs> because that that makes your film seem small. Right. I was a sales agent before and I was meeting with distributors and these are the questions that they ask. They say, hey, OK, so what's the movie? What's it about? Who's in it? How much is the budget? Because just like like luxury goods, unfortunately, right. the price is the indicator of value. So if you're saying it's a, oh, it's only a $300,000 budget, then in the distributor's mind, it's like, oh, this is not a real movie. This right. is just a something, you know. Student film, you know, 300K, yeah. Right. Oh, that's fascinating. It probably even gets worse if it's like even less numbers, like, you know, $10,000. And maybe it seems like people think they're being successful, but they're probably not covering, you know, all the costs that they need to do to do it right. And then it's probably even harder 
harder if you did like a crowdfunding for a lot less than you actually need because it's maybe you can't go back to that well again or something like that. Yeah. The only genre where this can work on like micro budgets, mini budgets is horror. Yeah, yeah, that's the exception. The guy who directed Shazam 2, I forget his name, but he's kind of the the poster child for going from a short film. David Sandberg, David okay. F. Sandberg is his name. And he is kind of the poster child of going from a short film on YouTube right. and went to festivals did really well, so well that it actually got financed as a full-length horror film, the same short film. And then he just proved like that film did really well it's called lights out and then he just became like part of the studio system and now he's directing shazam so that's kind of like the dream right but it is possible specifically in the horror realm because you you kind of have that path laid out already that's fantastic that's some great advice paul do you have any other advice for independent filmmakers just looking out there to get started well i would say that building your budget is is not should not just be as straightforward as i'm going to raise money on kickstarter Right. It should really be building on itself, in my opinion, because let's say you go to your friends and family and you say, help me out. Get, I need $10,000. So you raise $10,000 from friends and family. Then you go to Justin and you say, Justin, I want to do a Kickstarter campaign. I've already got $10,000 from friends right. and family. And he'll say, great. We will craft your video. We'll craft your campaign. In your campaign, you're going to say you already have $10,000 from your parents because they believe in you. So then other people will believe in you. And let's say you'll raise $100,000 on Kickstarter. And some people might stop there. Amazing. I've got $100,000. But then what you should do then is go after some bigger money from private investors because now you can go to them and say, hey, I have $10,000 from here. I have $100,000 from there. I need you know another $150,000 from you. And now I'm going to make a, let's say, $300,000 movie. Right. Now, if you have a $300,000 budget, this is starting to become more of a real movie, I would say. So you can then approach some production companies and you should look for a production company that has made something similar to what you're trying to make. You say, hey, I know you made this movie. I know it did this well. I have something similar. I already have $300,000 ready to go. All you have to do is help me make this into a million dollar movie. Let's go get some tax credits. Interesting. You talk to, you talk to the agencies that you work with. Let's get some real real actors attached here and then this becomes a real project so it's it's stepping stones right you don't have to just stop because you finished your campaign like keep getting more money because the more money is coming in from different sources the more validation you have so you can you know leverage that you be like all of these other filmmakers out there are not doing that. And so they're just sending their script to all these random production companies who are like, this is just a script. I get 12 scripts every hour. Why right. would I read this? Right. Whereas your project came through the door, script plus $3,000. I'm going to read that one right now. That's awesome, Paul. That, that's some really great advice. Uh, as we wrap up the weekend conversation, is there anything else you want to add? It's, it's very easy to get seduced by different people or different companies telling you that they're going to help you get into every platform or get into these film festivals. But in most cases, it's hard because nobody has that golden key. And right. the people that do have the key are not just selling it like that. So just be careful of who you're talking to. Do some research, do a lot of Googling, ask people around, go on Facebook groups and talk to them before you send some consultant $10,000 or some publicist $10,000. You know, that's very valuable for you that you could probably spend on your project itself rather than trying to you know, put it out in the market through various people who you don't really know. And definitely first go to filmocracy.com. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm always available. You can always ask me. 
Uh, I'm on different YouTube channels and videos. So you can also email me. Uh, my email is paul at filmocracy.com. Always happy to chat. Awesome. Well, thank you, Paul. I hope you have a great rest of your weekend. All right. Thanks, Ben. Thanks for listening to the First Time Go podcast. The goal is to make life a little easier for independent creators. So if you're with me for that, give the pod a five-star review wherever you download your podcast. Early access to episodes and other subscription benefits are available on Patreon and Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to be highlighted on the show, please send an email to ben at firstgopod.com. And let's help creators get their first time go.